top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the show, bringing you all the action from the Premier League in Syria, England, and Italy. I'm your host, Matt, not joined by my co-host, Dom. He is on beach duty this week away at the shore, so it's just me soothing your voice. Well, I'm giving you my soothing voice. I pretend that that made better sense. Just wrapping up the weekend's action in England and Italy for you. It was uh, Serie A's first weekend. Uh, so wanted to hop on, at least give you some thoughts, something to chew on, uh, as we'll be back next week to bring you all of the uh, action from England and Italy, as we always do. Um, so just three takeaways from each league uh, just to, to, to hold you over uh, this week so you have something to listen to on your car ride, whatever it is. Uh, we'll start with the Premier League because we've got a little more games to work with, uh, two game weeks now of uh, narratives and data, things like that. Going to start with uh, with Brentford, Ivan Tony, of course, on suspension from a a betting incident, uh, or I should say, betting incidents, like over two hundred <laughs> incidents. Uh, no problem, apparently. The uh, last season uh, when he started to uh, to serve this ban and when it also he uh, dealt with injury a few times last year, thirteen out of fifteen points last season without him. Uh, Johan Visa and Brian Buemo have really stepped up nicely for Brentford in the meantime. Uh, you know, Buemo's got three goals so far this year, this year two for Visa. I think that's that's a great start. You know, you look at what Brentford do. Uh, I, I think they're, they're one of the smartest and well-run clubs, I think, in England. Uh, just buy very smartly, uh, are, are fine with developing players, are fine with uh, maybe getting cast-offs or, or guys from lower leagues and, and working with they in. Uh, this is a team that really lives and dies uh, by the advanced stats a lot. You know, they're, they're an early adopter of a lot of those statistics that I think are more commonly used in the game now. Uh, so they've always been interested in finding that edge, and I, I think they've found that, and I think it's it's really impressive. There's not a lot of teams, I think, at Brentford's level, you know, and I, I mean mid-table, that could lose a striker, uh, a main talismanic striker like Ivan Tony and, and not suffer for it. And I, I think that's, uh, that's a really huge thing uh, to, to look at. And you look at who they were playing to uh, in Fulham, you know, team that has lost Mitrovic, you know, one of their, their key players and, uh, of course, their key striker over the last five, six years. He's gone, and I think there's a lot of question marks about how they're going to replace him. You know, they bought in Raul Jimenez, but he's obviously not been at that, uh, you know, a, even a good Premier League striker level uh, in a few years. Really hasn't been to the, you know, 
at that same spot. And part of that is injury related, right? He had a very bad head injury, but has really not recaptured that form recently. And I, I think they're going to struggle without him. So I think you have a great comparison there between two London-based clubs, even uh, about how you know losing that striker and still finding ways to create goals, create opportunities. Um, Brentford aren't perfect, of course, but I, I think you know through through two game weeks, I think they're going to be okay at least till Tony gets back. If he ends up at back at, at Brentford. There's obviously going to be tons of rumors about him uh, as there kind of always is going to other English clubs, but uh, you know, they, they'll be able to stay afloat and I think will be okay this season, even though they're going to be missing uh, Ivan Tony until January, which is a big takeaway for me uh, for this weekend. Speaking of missing on your talismanic striker, Tottenham Hotspur uh, sink Manchester United two nil. It's not a perfect game, uh, but you know, in this second game post Harry Kane life, first home game without him, uh, tons of trash on the field. I don't know what was up with that. Uh, ended up uh, a ton of paper airplanes, ton of bowled up uh, paper balls getting thrown on, on the field, which is a very interesting sight to see for sure. But um, I thought Spurs were, were not at their best in this game. And I think this is what Spurs are going to be this season in that uh, they, they definitely are going to be exploited at times uh, with the space that they give up. And I do think, uh, you know, they like to play this inverted wingback kind of style. Udogi, you know, popping in a lot. You've even seen it with Emerson Royale. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's it's a really dangerous way to live your life, uh, trusting fullbacks to kind of handle so much of the passing and build-up work in the center midfield. You've even seen with Liverpool, Alexander-Arnold, one of the, I think, better passers in all of the league, especially for a fullback, uh, struggle with that at times. They get dispossessed by Bournemouth this weekend, led to their first goal. It's 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 a lot to ask, and I do, I do think Manchester United did exploit that at times in this game, uh, but that's what Ange is going to bring. You know, He's going to bring this kind of uh, possession-based. He's going to be willing to uh, play a little bit high risk, and it paid off for them this week, uh, You know, and I think it's a, it's a great momentum win. You know, and I think uh, could put them in, in a really good spot. Uh, you know, going forward, I, I think Pascaloglu is, is is a good manager, and I, I felt that coming into the season, that's why I picked them. I, I think a lot of people were expecting Spurs to finish like ninth, you know, maybe even even lower than that. But I do think they still have a lot of talent on that team, uh, and they still have time to to reinvest in that squad. Mickey Van Deven still looks great to me. I I think he's a he's a center back that I, I really would love to have on my team, and I, I've really enjoyed watching him through two weeks. And, uh, yeah, I think the only negative comes away from that weekend. James Madison has picked up an injury. Doesn't seem too serious. He's got some kind of MCL knee sprain. You know, it seems like he could be back uh, not for this weekend's games, but next weekend, which is great news. James Madison has been a player that has kind of struggled with fitness over the last few seasons. He has a habit of missing, you know, anywhere from like seven to ten games in a Premier League campaign, which is not ideal, you know, for a player of his talent uh, to miss any time because, he just makes all the difference in the world. Uh, and you definitely saw that in that game. You know, she's just so great at driving forward and, and taking on players and uh, being that main creative force. On the opposite side here, Manchester United, uh, disappointing start to the season. I, I thought they obviously were not great against Wolves. Uh, a little lucky to not have a penalty at the end of the game. That could have been a draw. They could be sitting on a point after two games. Sitting on three points after two is, is not an ideal uh, start for them. I, I don't think it's where they necessarily envision themselves. I think they, they really would have been penciling in, uh, you know, at least four points here. You know, you get a draw away at Spurs. is not a, a terrible result. Mason Mount also walks away from this game injured. Doesn't seem anything long-term, but could miss the next two games. He's been a, a strange fit. You know, I, I called him over the summer a complimentary piece. Uh, you know, he's not a, the type of guy that's going to take over in midfield. I think he kind of has to be in the right situation. And I was really curious to see how this midfield is going to work. I have to say through two game weeks, I've not loved it. 
don't think United fans have loved it. Um, it just seems like a slightly awkward fit. It just feels like things aren't firing for them. I think the, the frustrating thing for Manchester United is they had two really good chances in this game. Uh, Bruno Fernandes especially misses a wide open header that I think if he converts, this game is, is honestly very different. So I think for me, you know, I, I'm not hitting alarm bells for Manchester United, but, you know, it's it's not a, a very good start to it for a team that, that really needs it. I will say one thing that does concern me, again, not hitting alarm bells just yet, but teams have had a, a real ability to just run down the center of their defense so far this season, and that's something that's got to be corrected because uh, it's, it's a very basic way of defending and a, a very basic thing to defend. And, uh, you know, we, we saw it especially in that Wolves game on counterattacks can't tell you how many times there was 3v2 counters and you know that that's something that uh, better teams will will punish you for Spurs didn't necessarily do that to them in this game in terms of the, the goals that they scored but you know you do that over the course of the season uh, you know it, it's, it's going to lead to some tough moments and uh, you know I, I think they're going to have to navigate a tough spell here uh, obviously too you know once they get Rasmus Hillian back they're clearly really dependent on him or, or at least hoping to have him in the squad. He's still dealing with this back injury. Not totally clear on when he'll be returning, but you know they, they're going to hope that uh, bringing in like a, a more solidified number nine might clear things up. And on off-the-field stuff, Mason Greenwood is apparently not going to be reinstated to the Manchester United team. They're going to be working with him to find some other solution to his career where he plays. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. I think Adam Crafton at The Athletic deserves a lot of credit uh, for the great reporting he did on that situation. I do think without that reporting, which led to, I think, increased public pressure, Mason Greenwood is probably uh, playing in the Premier League uh, next weekend. And I, I don't think that would have been right. Uh, so uh, great, great work there on their end. Um, and we'll see you know, how that situation develops because it's still, I, I think, a, a case of a lot of intrigue for a lot of people, as it should be. Speaking of intrigue, speaking of... <laughs> Man, just just an all-timer. West Ham sink Chelsea 3-1. Chelsea, I mean, I talk about a really rough start to the season. One point after two. You have Liverpool at home, West Ham away. Those are not the, the greatest fixtures to start out a season. And, and a new regime, things brighten up for them quite a bit over the next few weeks. And I think we'll get it, maybe a better picture of where they actually are. Um, I didn't think they were terrible in this game, if I'm being totally honest. I think the, the scoreline actually deceives a little bit uh, I think Chelsea were in control I think Raheem Sterling this is one of the best games I've seen him play for Chelsea uh, really creative down the wing beating his man constantly and I just thought you know just couldn't find a man in the box or you know they, they, they couldn't find the finish uh, which I think is, is frustrating for for Chelsea supporters because they have spent so much money and it just still it feels like they're like three four players away I, I don't know how it is but they've spent a billion dollars and it doesn't feel like a complete team yet now it's a young team you know there, there, there's young I, I, players that I think you can hope develop and obviously you have a new manager it's going to be a project it's going to be a process I don't think anyone is expecting anything different but man it, it is not the lift off you wanted and especially not for Moises Caicedo coming on for his debut uh, really disastrous debut if I'm being honest and uh, you know it's it's not going to help he's already you know the most expensive player in uh, in British uh, history you add what was a really bad debut in terms of giving the ball away, unnecessary fouls, gives away a penalty, which ultimately, you know, secures the game for West Ham. Uh, that was their third goal late in stoppage time. It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to see him go through that. He obviously hasn't had uh, too much of a preseason because you, there was a, 
a whole issue, of course, with with Bright not wanting them to leave, wasn't uh, wasn't training with the squad as much. So um, I'm sure that plays a role. Don't want to judge a guy too much based off of you know a, what 25 minutes uh, of a de- of a of a debut here. Uh, that's certainly not going to necessarily be his Chelsea career, but. Again, when you have the pressure of being the most expensive player in British history and, uh, you know, you've kind of been built up and you, you really have only had one very good season of Premier League football, maybe you start to get a, a little worried about what that pressure could do to a person. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that develops. Um, speaking of players not dealing with the pressure, Mikhail Modric, just the terrible performance yet again. I, I don't know what has happened to that guy. Um, always a little bit more of a raw prospect coming out of... Uh, uh, Ukraine and I, I gotta tell you it, I've I've not been impressed with him at any point that I've seen him play in a Chelsea shirt uh, just a shocking thing and that is the danger with what Chelsea have been doing which we highlighted when we talk about Caicedo deal uh, last week listen it's it's fine to take uh, risk on young players I, I think you have to do that at some point across all sports you know you got to be willing to bet on young guys and, and hope they can develop and you know put people in positions to succeed what Chelsea are doing is really unprecedented, and I think it really come back to bite them. I can remember when they signed Kepa Aritha Balaga, and that was a seven-year contract. And after two years, that was one of the worst contracts in the league. Uh, that was that was a, he was stuck there. He had another five years. That's an insane amount of time. You're not talking about eight or nine-year contracts uh, for a lot of these players. Even if half of these players work that work out, that is a lot of players that are stuck on big wages that are again will have five six years on a deal and will probably want to move will probably want to be loaned out it's it's a huge drain chelsea have had these problems in the past too yeah i i gotta tell you like the mudrick situation especially is is the real highlight for me and that you're going to see a lot of these guys over the next few years have this same issue where and it's it's not even necessarily the player's fault sometimes it's just a bad situation not the right situation especially at a club where you you have had a history of manager turnover I got to tell you, it, it, it would give me a lot of concern and a lot of pause if I'm a Chelsea fan uh, because I, I think this is a recipe to go very, very sour uh, over the next few seasons uh, in terms of, of how that will all be managed. For West Ham, I, I think it's a great win. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's 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 so bizarre. You know, they, they celebrate uh, the Europa Conference League uh, trophy win here. They, they had the trophy, uh, you know, next to the field, and I, I thought that was amazing, and they were showing highlights before the game, and uh, it's a big momentum win. James Ward-Prowse has a great debut. Uh, you really uh, shut me up because I was very critical of the signing. I still don't think he's a very good midfielder, if I'm being totally honest, but uh, does play some killer passes from time to time. Um, did, of course, contribute uh, on set pieces, which he is known to do. Uh, Antonio gets a, a great classic. If When I think of when I think of a Michael Antonio goal, that is the type of goal I think of. Him just using uh, that great strength that he has, good speed, and... Uh, I, I don't want to accuse him of too much of not being a clinical finisher, but he is the ultimate. Uh, just get your foot over the ball and hope you get it on target because I don't know how many keepers will be able to stop it if it is on target. You know, like he is just hit it for power, uh, hit it low if you can, and uh, and just see what happens. And it, it does work for him sometimes. And um, But he is uh, definitely, I, I think he has a tremendous work rate. Like this is a guy, I don't think it's enough credit for how much work he puts off the ball. Uh, great at aerial tools, winning challenges, things like that. Like he does, uh, I, I think, put in a, a lot of unseen work uh, that, that doesn't always get the uh, the credit for. So, so shout out to Antonio there. Shout out to West Ham uh, for a, a really nice victory at the start of the season because Obviously, last year they were threatened with relegation. I don't see that for them this year, but you know they do have Europa League commitments. 
you know that that's that's a big deal um and they'll be hoping of course to to carry that momentum with them they're making good signings um in some areas at least and uh you know we'll uh, we'll be looking to to kind of reinforce the squad and, and have a good season and I, I think they can let's kick over to italy where we had the season opener the curtain was raised and it was a it was a great first weekend i i think uh you know mm, not too crazy in terms of any any shocks. You know, you had Lazio falling to Lecce, which I think was a, a little bit of a surprise. Lecce were a team, I think a lot of people, myself included, that have, have looked at uh, very suspiciously, thinking they could go down this year. Uh, but they uh, they pull off a little bit of a, not quite giant killing, but uh, definitely a surprise result on the first match day. Um, but for the most part, you know, a lot of the, the top clubs, except for all you know, the two clubs, uh, primarily in Rome, in Roma and Lazio, uh, managing to win. Roma drawing 2-2 with, uh, with Salernitana. Crazy game that was. Uh, but yeah, you know, you, you look around the league, you know, it, it was a lot of comfortable wins for the top teams. You, Juventus gone, win 3-0 against Udinese. Atalanta had a really nice win. You know, there, there's a lot of question marks about them this season because they, again, every year they, it's, it feels like they lose players and they have to kind of repatch the squad. Uh, they get a nice win uh, against Sassuolo. Inter, very, very comprehensive win over Monza. Uh, Fiorentina, yeah, really, really routed Genoa for a bit there. It felt like that game could have gotten really out of control. It ends up being 4-1, Napoli 3-1 over Frozenone. Uh, Milan also get a nice win on Monday against Bologna. Napoli especially very interesting because a lot of the talk is naturally going to be about them. Can they come back? Can they win the title? What is Victor Osimhen going to look like this year? Um, he looked great. He, he looked really good at, in, in this first game. Uh, just back to his usual uh, clinical in the area type of stuff. Um, I, I thought it was a overall pretty impressive result uh, for Napoli. Really, you know, me and Dom were, were doing our season predictions. And, uh, you know, he, I, 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 I talked a lot about how I think any one of Milan, Inter, and Napoli could win the title. I think those three teams, for me personally, or, uh, you know, I, I think Dom agreed, the three best teams in Italy. I, I, I think there is a, a very clear tier separation between everyone else in that league and those three teams. And I think that that really bore out this weekend. I, I, I felt like they were, they, they looked comfortable at times. And I felt like, uh, you know, just have that extra gear and they have, you know, Napoli especially have that start quality, especially have that start quality. Milan don't quite have that, uh, which, you know, they have Rafa Liao. Um, I would not say he's quite Victor Osiman, quite Latar Martinez. He's probably like 95% of them, though, if, I, if I'm being totally fair. And Dom's not here to debate me. Dom's not here to get upset when I say that. So, uh, But Rafa Liao is, is, of course, a great player, but and we have seen him drag his team to a title. So, you know, you got to give him credit where credit is due. Uh, but for me, I was just really impressed with, with a lot of those big teams and how they handled their business over the weekend because it's very easy early in the season to have some slip-ups, and we know how crucial that can be, especially for anticipating, which it could be, uh, a tight title race. We know it'll be a tight race in Europe, in Italy this year. Uh, really all the, the top seven, eight teams, I think there, there's going to be a, a lot of jumbled numbers in there, and as it was last year too. Uh, so expect that and, and you know, Every match week really matters uh, in a league, I think, with as much parity as Italy has at the moment. I mentioned this a little bit already, but Roma, Salernitana, 2-2. Antonio Candreva, just uh, my takeaway from the weekend, is this man is 36 and still plays like he's, I don't know, 27. Uh, two fantastic goals. His second especially was just fantastic. So fluid. Still has that great first touch. I, I don't know how he does it, uh, but there's, a, there's an Italian player every two or three years that it feels like should have retired seven, eight years ago, like in your mind, uh, but yet it's still playing and still playing at a 
good high level and Antonio Grandreva is one of those players I still remember Sam Dory a few years ago when he was there thinking like wow I can't believe he's kind of hanging around and he's still playing pretty well and it's here we are still uh, uh so uh, shout out to Antonio Candreva just showing that uh time is a myth and it's just <laughs> up to your own personal interpretation uh in how you uh and how you let it affect you because uh two just great goals on uh on the uh, the, the season opener there um and a, a crucial you know draw against Roma too Roma obviously have their their eyes set on finishing in the top four this year finding their way to the Champions League uh, I think still a little embittered about that result in the Europa League final last season but um, not a, a, a fantastic start to the season for them. They did, you know, obviously make some last-minute signings uh, before the season. Renato Sanchez, uh, Leandro Paredes uh, coming in to bolster that midfield. I don't think those are terrible signings. Uh, again, though, they're, they're playing the PSG midfield cast-off roulette, which I think is always a little bit of a risk. Um, but, you know, if Renato Sanchez stays healthy, Paredes, I, I think, has fallen off a little bit uh, in terms of his level. I was not impressed when I saw him for Juventus last season, but We'll see. You know, maybe, uh, maybe you know, you get a little rehab with Jose Mourinho, and uh, you know, you find your way. But um, I will say one good thing uh, for Roma. I'm stepping on my uh, my third point here, so might as well just tuck into this. Ending the gold drought was my other takeaway from Italy this weekend. Uh, not only has it been a gold drought since June, uh, you know, when we we last saw Syria, of course, but uh, Charles Cattelare finally gets a goal in Syria. Wasn't able to at any point from Milan last year. Gets a goal on his debut for Atalanta, uh, a marginal one. Uh, VR, VAR had to inter- intervene, and uh, you know the the goal line system had to intervene. Uh, it was almost a fantastic save, but uh, his header did go over the line. Gets his goal, uh, a good moment for him. I think this is a guy that was clearly struggling for confidence. Clearly, you move to a league at a young age, you're still a little raw, and it just doesn't work out for you. He's clearly aware that it, it wasn't working out for him. And I think Atalanta is a great place to go and kind of rehab, especially if you're an attacking player. Atalanta is a great place to go and kind of find your footing. Uh, you're going to get chances there. You're going to get opportunities. You're going to have opportunities to score goals. I think there, it's, it's a really good, uh, really good place to find himself. I think this is this kind of club, Atalanta, that system make a little more sense for him. Uh, you know, maybe that should have been the stepping stone uh, from Belgium to Italy rather than. Uh, straight to Milan I, I think that's always going to be a tough thing especially with how much expectation was placed on him uh, so he already outperformed his output for Milan in the first game of the season so it's it's only up from here for for Charles speaking of breaking gold droughts Andrea Bellotti uh, one of my favorite Italian strikers of the last few years uh, did not score any goals last season so you know hardly classified as a striker I think in a lot of ways uh, but did b- break that gold drought got two uh, in in this first game for Roma, uh, nearly led a a comeback uh, for them. Almost uh, was close to a hat trick. He pulled up with a cramp, uh, and it was one of those ones. You, sometimes players go down and they kind of feign injury to try and get play to stop and maybe get some kind of advantage for their team, or they're just so winded that they they sort of just stay down to catch their breath. Uh, he stayed down and was clearly uh, suffering through cramp uh, and, and was really struggling through that game. Uh, maybe it's just <laughs> the touch of goals. You know, it, it just he hadn't felt that feeling in so long and his body was in shock. I'm not sure what it was, but uh, I, I did think it was a, it's a good thing for him. It's a good thing for Roma, who obviously, you know, you're going to be missing Tammy Abraham for, for who knows how much, obviously, with his knee injury. It doesn't seem like necessarily a striker is coming in. So uh, I think a lot is going to rest on Bilotti finding his form again and, and being a good striker. And 
Dybala as well, you know, working in partnership with him, I, I think that's going to be crucial. You know, if Roma are going to go anywhere, Palazzi's going to have, a, I think, a say in that this season. Uh, so it was good to see him kind of get off the mark this year, um, although it's, it's obviously a disappointing result for Roma to, to draw uh, at home on the first day of the season. But uh, I do think, uh, in, in general, uh, I, was, I was impressed with him. I, I think he got back. You know, you never know, too, what confidence does to a player and how that can kind of change the whole momentum of the season. So maybe this is the exact kind of start he needs, uh, not the start Roma necessarily wanted, but if it leads ultimately to Blatti being a, a double-digit goal scorer in Italy again, I think that's a really, really good sign for them, and I think uh, could lead to some really positive results for them, although I wasn't uh, super high on them coming into the season. Um, I do think they have potential to be a, a, a good team, even a Champions League qualifying team. I think that's totally within the realm of possibility for Roma. That's all I have for the past weekend. I mean, it was it was a really fun weekend. Um, England especially had some good results. You had obviously Manchester City going to Newcastle, getting a big result. The big news coming out of that game, Kevin De Bruyne uh, injured his hamstring. Uh, he's going to get surgery on this. This is the same hamstring that was giving him problems at the end of last season that actually tore in the Champions League final when he had to get subbed off. That's a little concerning. Uh just because when you have hamstrings already uh, worrying me across all sports, they're just, it's a tough muscle that just always seems to, to linger and be really prone to re-aggravation. Um, so already not an ideal type of injury to be dealing with. It's not great that he tore it in the Champions League final, had this time off, comes back, has a, has a tear again, has to get surgery. That, that worries me personally. And Kevin De Bruyne's not young anymore either. Um, I think we have this image that he is because he came back to the Premier League at, you know, like a, an older age, but it felt like he was still young. He was new to, I think, a lot of people. Um, it's it's a little worrying. And I, I think, it, you know, listen, Manchester City have won a title with Kevin De Bruyne missing time. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's not impossible. I do wonder what it does maybe for Erling Haaland. Like he and uh, De Bruyne have a really, really good link up, unsurprisingly, of course. But, uh, Holland is a guy that is really dependent on service to score goals. Now, he was still getting Manchester City. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, I, I do think it's it's a little concerned. You know, in a title race that could be tight, maybe De Bruyne missing, you know, two, three months could really mean something. You know, he's, he's also going to miss a big chunk, um, if not all of the, the Champions League group stages. You expect Manchester City to figure that out. But still, it, it's, it's a little bit of a worry for Manchester City, you know, uh, to, to be missing him for such time. And I, I do wonder... You know, again, with, with these types of injuries, what that recovery looks like, you know, what he looks like when he's back, it, it's it's not an easy thing to just come back from this. And again, he's at an older age where it's not a guarantee that you come back to your full self uh, when you're actually back from injury. Uh, so that was that was one really notable thing uh, that I wanted to uh, to alert you to in case you missed that news. Outside of that, just looking ahead to the weekend. Um, Nothing huge going on in Italy. You've got Napoli-Sassuolo. I think that's probably the biggest game of the weekend. You could also tune in for Juventus-Bologna. I think that's a great one. Uh, Bologna obviously got off to a little bit of a disappointing start with Thiago Mata, but you know you got to trust Thiago. He's your favorite midfielder's favorite midfielder. You know you got to love the guy. Um, you know Lazio will look to to bounce back against Genoa, who uh, got just like I said, totally washed on opening day. Um, in England, you've got some good ones. Obviously, I think uh, Liverpool-Newcastle on Sunday is the the one that everyone is kind of looking forward to. Uh, but you got Brighton versus West Ham. I think that's a fun uh, little, like, uh, I hesitate to call that hipster, but uh, I, I think there's some there's some good intrigue there. You've got Chelsea Luton uh, battle of the, uh, the relegation-threatened teams at the bottom. Um, you know, that, that'll that be a good one, I, I think. I think, uh, you know, 
Luton, I they obviously had the weekend off because of a scheduling issue, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Luton play again. I obviously they were outclassed on the on their first game, but um, obviously a great story. I'm looking forward to seeing them. Can't wait for their first home game. That's going to be absolutely electric, uh, and I'm really looking forward to watching that. Elsewhere, you got Everton Wolves. Could be a very very important game in terms of relegation. Uh, you know, as we get to the end of the season, you always look back on these fixtures and, and look at the results and think how how different the world could be. Wolves, Mateus Nunez is attracting a lot of attention. Could potentially be their last game with him. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I'm sure they would love to get a positive result out of this one. Both these clubs in really, really bad spots. Uh, you know, and the, the season is looking very dark and grim for both of them. It's, it's going to be a sort of white knuckle hang on to the railing for the rest of the year because I'm not sure what's going to happen to either of these these teams this season because they, they don't have a ton of talent. It does not seem like reinforcements are coming from anywhere. So they're going to have to hold the line in a, in a very real way. Um, but that's it. You know, we'll be back next week to wrap up those games. Any more storylines, any more news? Uh, we'll be close to having Champions League and Europa League groups uh, you know, established. I don't, I don't think next week we'll have that back for you, but uh, trust when they are that we will be breaking down those groups and talking about. I'm sure there's going to be at least one very, very good group of death in the Champions League for sure, just because of some of the teams that have re-entered the Champions League after some hiatus or have low coefficient points. A team like Newcastle, which of course are, are going to be a pop four team you know they're going to be the team that makes it uh, a lot of times a group of death so plenty to look forward to uh, in the coming weeks and we will of course have it back for you Don will be back next week from his break I will be back as well I hope you all have a nice weekend enjoy the games and I'll talk to you next time see ya